Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Tonight, let's go to the book of Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you tonight uh, about, you know, something I preached. I don't, know, I don't know if I've preached on it since the notes that I have say March 27th, 2013. So I'm pretty sure that most of you have forgotten about it. <laughs> However, there is one person I know of does remember, and I'll leave their name uncalled. But they keep, they keep really good notes, and, <laughs> and they'll remember things I preached 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and I mean, I don't remember it, you know. And so... I guess if my notes ever get destroyed, I'll go to them and say, give me all that back. Amen. But I'm going to talk to you about an established prayer life. Now, in Mark chapter 1, go with me to verse 35. The Bible says, in the morning, rising up a great while before day. Now, don't get nervous because uh, you can pray anytime. <laughs> he went out, the son of Jesus, and he departed into a solitary place. Everybody say place. place. And there prayed. How I many know we should have a place where we go pray? Now, that doesn't mean that we can't pray when we're about our day, because we can. But I believe it's a good thing to have a place where I go to, where I meet with God. A place. And uh, I've had that practice ever since I have got born again. I, I've had a place. It's a little easier with Phyllis and I. Because we don't have six kids living at home. It's just her and I. Um, so, you know, we have a four-bedroom home. So we have a bedroom. I have a place. She has a place. And then we have a place if you want to come over and stay, if you're invited. <laughs> they call it a guest bedroom, but you got to be a guest to stay there. <laughs> but we have a place. I have a place I go to, and, and that's, my, that's my place. And I've had that for years. I've had that practice for years. Matter of fact, our daughter-in-law... Years ago, she, she, would, she, she was afraid to go into my, my place, my room, my study. She told me, she said, uh, she, she, I didn't realize it, but, she, but years later she told me, she said, I felt like that was the Holy of Holies. If you went in there, you got struck dead. <laughs> well, it wasn't quite like that, but it's, it's, a place where I, it's a place where I meet with the Lord and it's where I spend time with prayer. Jesus went to a solitary place where he got alone by himself, see, and, he, and the Bible says, in the morning rising up a great while before day. Now, you know, obviously, you know, this was when it worked for him. It doesn't mean you have to get up early in the morning to pray. Uh, you know, I've told you before, years ago, back in the 80s, uh, it was real popular. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. Anything, anything that will inspire people to pray, I'm for it. But there were books written about about. Tearing with the Lord one hour, spending an hour in prayer. And that, that's, that's fine. I'm, I'm for that. 
But, but a, lot, a lot of them taught you get up early in the morning before your day and you give God the first part of your day. And there's nothing wrong with that. But did you know there's scriptures that talks about Jesus prayed all night? All night? So some people aren't morning people. Amen. Some of you, God might not want to talk to you in your mornings. <laughs> now, see, I'm more of an early person. I'd rather get up early and then get into the Word, get my coffee, get into the Word and pray. And then if I don't watch it, I feel like, you know, there's not much of the day left. But I'm more, I'm more geared toward that. Now, some people are more geared toward the nighttime. I don't think it matters to God. I think He just wants to hear from us. I think He just wants us to have an established prayer life, whether that be morning, noon, or night. The Bible talks about Daniel and says he went and as, as his custom was, he knelt down and prayed three times a day. So he had his way of doing it. That doesn't mean that's the way you have to do it. It just means you ought to do it. And Jesus, if Je I mean, if Jesus needed to pray, how many of you know we probably need to pray? I mean, if the Son of the living God had to communicate with His Father to be successful, Amen. we don't have a prayer if we don't do it. Amen? See, you have to know this about Jesus. What Jesus did on the earth, He did not do as God. He could have, but He didn't. How I many know He was God when He was here on the earth? He is God. God never ceases being God. But he also was a man. That was the mystery, see. He was all God. He was all man. He wasn't half God, half man. He was all God, all man. But when he was on the earth, the Bible said he was anointed of the Spirit. What does that tell you? It tells you he had to have help. Isn't that right? See, if he was doing it as God, who's going to anoint God? As far as I can tell, God's already anointed. Are you with me tonight? <laughs> I mean, who's God going to find to anoint, me? anoint himself? I anoint me. I anoint me with me. No, see, it was men that needed to be anointed. It's all throughout the Bible in the Old Testament all the way through that men had to be anointed to do the work of God. They had to have special help. They had to have the help of God himself to do his work. And so Jesus was no different. Now, he, now could, he have, could he have been there? Well, he was God. I guess he could have been, but that's not, the way, that's not the way it worked. That's not the way God had it planned out. He had to be anointed of the Spirit. So he needed times with Father. I mean, think about this. He's praying as a man, isn't he? He's not praying to himself. He's praying to his Father. Amen. Now, and I think that's the mystery that a lot of, a lot of people don't, that they don't, they don't ever let Jesus be a, be a man. Now, there are some people that that's all they think he was. A lady told me one time, she came to this church, and uh, we had a conversation. She didn't exactly believe like what we believe. So I'm talking to her, and she said, uh, she said, uh, I asked her, I said, do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? She said, well, I believe He was a good man. I said, do you believe He, 
I said, you, she said, I believe he was a prophet. I asked her, do you believe he's the son of God? She wouldn't say yes. She said, I believe he was a good man. I believe he was a prophet. I said, well, let me tell you something. If he wasn't the son of God, he wasn't a good man. And he wasn't a prophet because he said he was the son of God. Amen. So if what you believe, what, if what you believe is true, then Jesus was a fraud. He was a liar. But have you know, he was exactly who he said he was. He said, who do you think I am? That's what matters. It doesn't matter about, you know, uh, what your neighbor thinks. is what you think about him. Amen. What do you think he can do? You see, we get so wrapped up looking at people that sometimes I think we forget that God comes to church. And if he doesn't, why are we coming? And if he does, why shouldn't we expect him to do something? If we're sick, why shouldn't we expect him to, us to receive healing in his house? Amen? You know, uh, Dr. Hilton Sutton, whom I had the privilege of meeting, one of the greatest prophecy teachers the world's ever known. He said, the problem with the modern day church is the preachers have lost God in his own house and they can't find him. In other words, they come to a house, but God's not there. He said they can't seem to find him now. How I many know if you seek him, you'll find him, right? See, Jesus knew he needed the help of his father, didn't he? Rising up great while before day. If that's what it takes, how I many know that's what it takes? Amen. You, 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 you understand, see, I, I'm not preaching something I haven't lived. I'm not just preaching theory to you. I, I've, I've had the, the, the lifestyle where I had, uh, here's a man right here that does it. I'm not just bragging on him because he's here, but I happen to know he gets up early in the morning to seek God. Now, let me tell you something about this man. This man, and I could say this to other people, but this man is sitting here on Wednesday night, and he's going to have to get up about 3.30 in the morning, and we're an hour ahead. It's already his bedtime. It was Pastor Chuck's bedtime about a half an hour ago. But anyway, he still comes to church. Am I preaching the truth now? We're getting close right now. He's getting his peanut butter and crackers and milk right about right now. Getting ready to go to bed. He's a big socialite, you know that. Big social butterfly, you know. How many understand, it, it's not a matter of when we pray, it's a matter of do we pray. It's not a matter of the time. Jesus was getting up early in the morning because of the day He had ahead of Him. He, he knew He wasn't going to have time. And so this is, this is the time. So it was so important to Him that if it cost me some sleep, it's just going to have to cost me some sleep. Sometimes it will. Amen. Sometimes it will. Now, you know, some, most of us, maybe we don't have to get up early, early in the morning. Or maybe you're a real early morning person. Now, you know, people are different. How do you know that? People are different. And, um, you know, some people get up and it takes a long time before their motor gets started. You know, Miss Phyllis, once, when she gets up, I mean, she, first thing, she might, sometimes I'll hear, I'm already up usually, but I can hear her first thing she gets up, she might grab the vacuum. And I'm thinking, she just got up. 
I'm thinking, don't you kind of just, you know, ease your way into these things? But some people aren't that way, man. When they're up, their motor's going. Some people, I've seen them, they get up, it takes about half an hour before you even want to talk to them. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Their hair's all messed up. Now, mine never is, you know. <laughs> you know, they got to get their makeup on, get their coffee. Phyllis doesn't drink coffee, so she didn't have to do that. Get all that, you know. And they look totally different time, time when they first got out of bed when you see them. Be like this one, one lady. <laughs> uh, she had something seriously wrong with her. She was about, she was in her, get, get towards 50. Had something seriously wrong with her. And, and uh, you know, the Lord said to her, he said, well, you're, you're going to live another 40 years. So uh, you're not going to die. So she thought, well, if I'm going to live another 40 years, I'm going to get my hair collared. I'm going to get my face lifted. And I'm going to get some things tucked. Because <laughs> I'm going to live another 40 years. The Lord said that. So she went to all that and was done with the final tucking, you know. Walked out side the building there and in the parking lot, got hit by a car and it killed her. When she got to heaven, she said, Lord, I thought you told me I had another 40 years. He said, well, you look so different, I didn't know who you was. <laughs> That's not true. Bad doctrine. Bad doctrine. But you know, it, does, it doesn't matter. Jesus got up early in the morning. Of course, the Bible says that He rose up, uh, rising up a great while before day. I want you to see that He, he had an established prayer life. You, you know, I, I, uh, I thought about doing this tonight, but I decided not to. I thought about just going through all the scriptures that talk about Jesus praying. You'll find that he, one scripture says He prayed all night to God. Another scripture says He withdrew Himself and, and prayed. He went out into the wilderness and prayed. He sent the crowds away and prayed. And you'll find that throughout the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, throughout his ministry, where he's, he's constantly pulling aside and he's praying. Gethsemane, he pulled aside. He says, he told his disciples, you stay here. I'm going to go over here and pray. And he was, he was constantly doing that. One time, the Bible says that he was in such a, a spiritual battle that he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood because of the the, the turmoil that was going on there in Gethsemane. But we find throughout all, all throughout the Gospels, we'll find Jesus praying. And my thought is, if He needed it, how much more do we? How do we think we're going to make it and be all that God wants us to be and have all that God wants us to have if we don't pray? Remember times he would say, he would say, uh, I only do what I see my father do. I have a feeling he saw it in prayer. When he's praying, he would see, this is what you're supposed to do today. Go out and do this. Go out and do that. Hallelujah. You know, the, the Bible tells us that we're to pray without ceasing. Now, now, what does that mean? Does that mean we pray 24-7? Well, no, of course you're going to sleep. You're going to eat. I think what it means is that you're supposed to keep the fire of your prayer life burning. Amen. Now, you know, when I, you know, everybody's built different. You know, we're not all the same. So everybody's built different. But, you know, and I, I'm more geared towards the Word 
I don't have any problem spending just hours in the Word. You know, I don't have any problem just reading and watching somebody preach or listening to somebody preach. When it, I've been that way from the get-go. But I had to work on my prayer life when I started out. I had to work on it. See, your flesh, everybody's different. I had to discipline my flesh. I remember in those beginning days, I'm talking about I'm just a few weeks old in the Lord. I bought me a timer. No, we didn't have digital timers in those days. It was a sundial. <laughs> no, that was Brother Kenny. That, <laughs> no. Anybody remember those timers, those white timers, kitchen timers with a dial? That's what I bought. And I thought, I'm going to make myself pray 20 minutes a day. I'm going to make myself. Now, somebody said, that's legalistic. No, that's called discipline. When you get into the service, the Marines, how many know they discipline you, don't they? Well, they used to. I guess they still do. I mean, that's not legalistic. That's trying to save your life. Don't be a gomer pile. All right, I'll leave that alone. Most of them never saw when he went into the Marine Corps, but it was a sight to behold. But I bought that, and, and I, made myself, I made myself pray 20 minutes a day. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. But, you know, here's what I found out. Once you got into the joy of that, I don't even know where that timer's at now. I threw that away. But at first, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a reader before I got saved. I didn't read. Road signs, that's about it. What did you read today? Oh, I saw a stop sign, a yield sign, do not pass. I disobeyed to do not pass, stop and yield. All of them. See, I I wasn't any of that. So I certainly wasn't a prayer. So it, it, I had to discipline my flesh. So don't beat yourself up if you don't. You say, well, Pastor, I hear you preaching on this, but I don't feel like doing it. Well, I didn't either. Amen. But there's something called discipline. It's a dirty word. But sometimes we have to discipline ourselves and make ourselves do things we don't want to do because it's for the benefit of, of the kingdom of God and the benefit of us. See, James said, you have not because you ask not. How much have we missed because we didn't have an established prayer life? All of us. We could have had things if we just spent time praying with, with the Lord every day. And I'm not talking about a long time. You, that's between you and God, you know. Uh, you know, I've got my time that I pray with God. It may be longer than yours. It may be shorter. I, that's not the issue. But if you'll spend 15 minutes a day with God, it'll help change your life. I think every one of us could spend 15 minutes praying, 15 minutes reading our Bible. And I think you, if you do that every day, it'd change your life. And I think once you start doing it, you find out that's not enough time. I need some more time here. Amen. And I've noticed this. You know, I, I watch stuff on TV. I watch sports. I like sports. Pretty much anything that's got a ball, I'll watch it. Anybody, anybody's going to hit somebody, I'll watch it. Anybody's going to drive a car around the track, I'll watch it. I've just always been that way. That's just part of my makeup. You know, I, I haven't changed. I don't think I'm going to until I get to heaven. And I don't know. I might be racing my chariot around up there somewhere. I don't know. But I've noticed this. When I get done with that, it's not the same as when I get done spending time with the Lord. I don't have the 
the peace. I don't have the joy. I don't have the satisfaction that I do when I'm, I'm spending time with God. See, God said, I'm going to make you joyful in my house of prayer. That's what he said in Isaiah. See, Jesus said, talking about prayer, that your joy might be full. See, it causes joy in your life. Maybe that's why there's such a joyless church today. Maybe it's because people don't spend time with God like they should. Amen. I mean, it's not enough just to come to church. You've got to have a relationship with God all week long. We thank God for church. You're going to get boost here. You're going to get things here. But you, got, you, need something that, you need something all week long. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, God said, God said this. He said this in, you, and we all know this scripture. Uh, this is a very famous scripture that people pull out. And it's a good scripture. If my people, anybody know that scripture? Can you say it? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Do you notice it talked about if my people will humble themselves and pray? You see, when we have, when we have, when we have prayerless lives, we don't have an established prayer life, we're basically saying to God, I don't need your help. We may not mean that, but I don't need your help. You ever have your kids say, I don't need your help? Then you see the way they dress, you think you needed some help. Right? You, just, you need to humble yourself. I mean, I've heard that from the grandkids. I do it myself. And it doesn't always turn out good. Because I want to tell you something. You little three-year-old squirt. I've been buttoning my shirt for 60-some years. Occasionally, I still get off, but not often. I believe I can help you. Amen. That's why God said, if you'll humble yourself and pray and seek my face, I'll help you. I'll help you. See, that's what the book of James talked about. It says, is anybody going through affliction? Let him pray. Let him pray. Let him pray. <laughs> you know, I've been at this long enough. A lot of, some people want to turn their prayer assignments over to you. God's really put, Pastor God has really put a burden on me to pray for brother so-and-so. Will you pray for him? He didn't put that burden on me. Why do you think he put it on you? Because nobody can do it like you can if he put the burden on you. Amen? See, there's some of you, you got burdens for things in the natural. Things really, you know, they, you know there's people who got their causes. You're going to have a hard time getting me, getting me involved in your cause if it's not on my heart. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just not on my heart to do it. They've got their causes, you know. Amen. Some are good. Some are bad. You know, I've met people, they were on a crusade, you know, to, to, to make people quit eating this or drink that. I'm not on your crusade. 
Now, you may, you, you may be, I'm not saying your crusade's wrong, but you got to say, I'm not going to, I don't have the heart for it like you do. Amen. So you're going to have to understand that when God puts somebody on your heart, it's not, listen, it's up to you to do the praying. Don't dump it off on the church. Is this good preaching or what? See, because nobody, I had someone one time, they did this. They said, they said, Pastor, I've just about got this person led to the Lord. Will you come and lead them? I said, no. You said no? I said no. Well, I'll never ask you to do it. Thank you. I explained to them why I said no. I said no, because you've almost got them there. You need to finish the job. I might walk in there and they may not like me at all. They may not like my personality. I may run them off. I doubt it. I'm so handsome and good looking. How could that happen? <laughs> Say, hey, man, James, you know that's the truth. Come on. How many of you follow what I'm saying? See, I, I've almost got them. Well, that means it's working. You, you finished the job. I might come in there and mess it up. I might be trying to do my best. See, sometimes certain people connect with certain people. Isn't that, isn't that the way it is in the natural? Sometimes you connect with people. You don't connect with others. I've met people before. I didn't connect with them at all. I didn't mean they were a bad person. It just means we're on t- our station's tuned to two different stations. Our, our radio's tuned to two different places. We're not, that doesn't mean you're wrong. doesn't mean I'm wrong. doesn't mean there's anything wrong. doesn't mean... You know, we need to repent. It just means we're just different. You don't pick friends that are just totally opposite of you. You pick friends that are a lot like you. You want to know what you're like? Look at your friends. Well, all right, that didn't bless you. Hell. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. You know, you pick people that you are like-minded. Amen. Right? And so, uh, you know, there may be some differences, but there's got to be something to connect with. You know, I, I meet people like, you know, you know, strangers that I meet. As soon as I meet them, we connect right off. I've met ministers that way in meetings. And just as soon as we met, we clicked. Others, I didn't click so much. But it doesn't mean they're wrong. And it doesn't mean we have clicks. Are you listening now? Some people don't talk about clicks. There's clicks in the church. Well, maybe you're the problem. The clicks, maybe it's because that doesn't bother me at all that certain groups gather around. You know, people, sometimes people want to go sit by somebody you've never sat by. I might not want to sit by them. It goes back to the old charismatic days. Hug a little neck, hug a neck next to you. They may not want me hugging their neck. Some of the dumb things we did back in the charismatic. Some things were good, but that's some of that, some of that stuff. Hug a little neck, neck right next to you. Shake a little hand. That's when you go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's when I go to the bathroom. <laughs> that's the truth, too. It's like, I'm out of here. This is getting weird to me. Hey, man, not everybody wants me hugging their neck. You know what I'm saying? And I may not want to hug their neck. Doesn't mean I don't love them. Right? All right. We're way off. We're way off topic. Hallelujah. We're talking about how to get along with people and influence friends. Amen. Now, how many understand 
that everybody's different. And so when it says Jesus got up early in the morning, that doesn't mean we all have to do that. That just means that's what He did. But it, just, it does mean He set a precedence for us that we should have a, an established prayer life. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Now, why should we? Well, let me, let me close out. I, I, I'm going to close out here. But, but uh, you know, uh, Luke's Gospel, what, since we're in Mark's Gospel, let's go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. I want to read this scripture to you in Luke 21. Are you getting anything tonight? Here's a scripture that I read years ago that really blessed me. It's Proverbs uh, 15 and 8. And it says that the Lord delights in the prayer of the upright. Sometimes we think our prayers are feeble, but God delights in it. Amen. It's like I've said before, I've said this many times. Uh, you know, when Brother Greg first came here, he couldn't figure out why we sang the same sang song over and over again. He just, because he came out of church where they sang the, maybe the first, uh, what do they call it, stanza? Is that right? And then they skipped, the, do the second one. They always skipped the third one. Because by the time the writers got to the third one, they'd bombed out. And fourth one, they picked it back up. And they do it one time. And he'd hear our guys just, do the same thing over and over and over again. And he'd think, he thought, am I telling the truth? He thought, why do they do that? And now, since he's, you know, gotten, gotten really saved a couple weeks ago and filled with the Holy Ghost and sanctified, Shelby, I think, prayed for him. Let him. He understands that God doesn't get tired of hearing us. Right? And it might not be wrong to sing the same song the whole service. It, that might, the anointing might be on it. It might be. Mark, Mark says we need to sing One Way Jesus all the time, every service. <laughs> Nothing else. That's sure simplify it for the praise team. It's all we got. It's one, one Way Jesus. Amen. That happens to be his favorite song, One Way Jesus. And it's a good song. Amen. But help me understand, God doesn't get tired. If He did, He'd get tired of those living creatures flying around the throne saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The Bible says they do it 24-7. You'd think God got tired, He'd stop and say, Hold it! Don't you know another song? How <laughs> I many know He doesn't do that, does He? He never gets tired of it. He delights in the prayer of the upright. He delights in our prayer. Isn't that something? That God delights to hear us pray? See, the devil will fight your prayer life. He'll say, oh, you're not making much sense. You know, this isn't going anywhere. It, 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 it isn't getting any higher than the ceiling. Well, how I many know the Holy Ghost is living inside of you? Doesn't need to get higher than the ceiling. Heaven's in you through the Spirit of God. Amen? Now, here in Luke, he said this, and we're, we're getting ready to close here. Luke chapter... Uh, 21, verse 34, he said, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. Now, not, not surfing. Surfeiting, that means excess. How I many you can excess out on anything? Amen? You can excess out on TV. You can excess out on your phone. There, there is such a, an excess with phones today. Amen. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll go into restaurants and I'll see families and every one of them is on their phone, just melted to the phone. Amen. <laughs> and, and, you know, people, get it, it's, a success, it, it's a distraction. And drunkenness and cares of this life, so that they come upon you unawares. For at, talking about the, the coming of the Lord. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell upon the face of the whole earth. Watch you, therefore, and pray always. What are we talking about? We're talking about an established prayer life. Jesus said, pray always. Once again, does he mean pray 24-7? Well, no, he's not talking about that. Jesus didn't pray 24-7. Read his life. But he's talking about that we have an ongoing prayer life. This isn't something, it's like one, one year, years ago when I was at the Revival Center, one of our deacons, he just admitted that sometimes his prayer life wasn't what it should be. He was confessing up. His name he was a man. His name was Carol. And he said one day, he said, he said, sometimes it's been so long since I prayed that I have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, this is Carol. Do you remember me? And he was repenting, getting it right. See, what the Bible is talking about when it talks about Always, or <laughs> the Bible talks about, you know, praying continually. It's talking about this as an ongoing thing that's in our life. Right. Amen. You could say that you eat continually. Now, some people, that's about true. <laughs> Trying not to look over here, Pastor Jerry. I'm teasing him. Although there are times he's been at my house, he ate continually. Let me tell you something. I fed him some chocolate one night, and he, he said it, it messed him up. It was bad. He, he choked. And so he had to eat a whole bag of my chips to recover. I'm sure. Now, when I say the whole bag, there was maybe that much left in the bottom of it. I got to have some chips. and I, It was like, you know, it cured him, I guess. But how many know, how many know we, eat, we eat continually? What does that mean? Well, we don't. it doesn't mean we eat 24-7, but we do it every day unless we're fasting. Right? right? Because we need it. You know what? Uh, once again, Brother Hagin said this years ago. I, 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 this was really He said, reading the Word or feeding on the Word is like eating. Prayer is like breathing. How many know if you stop eating, you're not going to breathe very much longer? But if you stop breathing, you're not going to eat very much longer. You need them both. I thought that's a good way to say that. But here, what Jesus is talking about, he said, if you're going to be spiritually fit and ready for the last days, you're going to have to pray always. You're going to have to have a continual prayer life. You're going to have to have an ongoing prayer life. That means we don't go days and days and days without spending time with God. There may be a day where something happens and we don't make it, but that's the, that's the rarity. Amen? That may be the days, and when I'm talking about praying, of course, you know, we can pray when we're driving. We can pray when we're showering. We can pray when we're blow drying our hair. <laughs> I don't even have a blow dryer. Guess what? I use a towel. And, uh, you know, how many of you what I'm saying? But I, I'm talking about when we do like Jesus did there in Mark chapter 1, we 
we, we go to a solitary place and there pray. We reset it. We resanctify a time. God, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be driving down the road. I'm not gonna be taking a walk. I'm not gonna be. Do, I'm gonna set aside time to be with you. I think that's sanctified time. I think that's different. All prayer is prayer. I understand, but I think that's something right there where we have to have in our lives an ongoing established prayer life where we pull aside. We're not doing anything else. We're not letting our mind be active doing anything else. We've, we've shut it down to spend time with God. Ladies, don't you hate it when you're trying to talk to your husband about something seriously and he won't put the newspaper down? See, what do you know? Well, it's not totally there. He may hear what you're saying. Amen. How many of us men are good at that? All right. A lot of us are. And women can do it too. But how many, that's not full attention, is it? That's like, well, I'm hearing what you say. And then, then when she asks you to repeat what she just said, you mess it up. Amen. Now, all right, so, so what is Jesus saying here? Well, he's simply saying that, that we, if we're going to be uh, spiritually fit and in good shape in the last days, we're going to have to pray always. Notice this, verse 36, that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Well, see, he's indicating that if we, if we quit praying, we could literally miss the coming of the Lord. I mean, that's one event you don't want to miss. Now, I, I'm closing, but I've, I've just got to say this. I, I've always, uh, for years, wondered about that scripture in Matthew where it says there's five wise and five foolish virgins that are waiting for the coming of the Lord, the coming of the bridegroom. And only five were ready. And five weren't. And then Jesus, he said... In ending that parable, he said, watch, be ready. It almost sounds like to me that indicates to me that part of the church is not going to be ready when the Lord comes. I'm not, I'm not proposing to preach all the ramifications of what that means, but I don't want to be one that's not ready. I don't want to be one of the foolish virgins that didn't have extra oil. And Jesus is simply saying, basically, right here, you need some extra oil or you're going to miss it. Because life is going to get too tough, too dirty. Amen. Right? And it's already, we're there now. We're there right now in 2023. We are where life is so dirty, it's so filthy that a big part of the, part of the church is backslidden. And it's left to faith. Whole denominations have. I just spoke to a couple just recently that go to a denominational church. And they told me, said, today our church is voting on leaving the denomination. Because the denomination is going one way, contrary to the word, and we don't want to go that way. I'm thinking, God bless you, leave. Because Jesus said he'd leave. Right? 
He said he'd, he'd remove the candlestick. Years ago, a, a black gentleman, uh, he, was, he actually at one time was the assistant secretary of the Navy. Johnny Johnson was his name. Wrote a great book about love. About how he had to walk in love because of racism. And he said, you know, he went to uh, preach, was invited to preach to a church somewhere. And he, when he got there, and the deacon board saw that he was a black man. They said, well, we're sorry. We didn't realize that. And, uh, you know, we're just sorry, but you, you can't preach here. He said, I left. And he said, I, I was crying. And he said, I was talking to the Lord and said, Lord, they won't let me preach there. They won't let me in this church. He said, oh, don't cry about it. He said, they won't let me in either. That's what the Lord told him. They won't let me in either. He said he started laughing then. He thought, <laughs> well, if the Lord can't get in, <laughs> I don't want in there anyway. You know what I'm saying? Why would I want in there? You see, we're at that place right now where, where, where I need to close. <laughs> That's where we're at right now. We're at that place in time <laughs> where... Uh, we're, we're at that place where the five wise and five foolish virgins are in the church. And five aren't going to make it. And five are. Amen. Jesus said in the last days, he said, there'll be, there'll be tares among the wheat. He said, but don't you go root them up unless you root up some wheat with it. I know the difference and you don't. How many know God knows people's hearts and we don't? I've seen people, their actions were wrong, but their hearts were right. They just needed to get some more information. Amen. Amen. So if we're, go, if we're going to have, listen, the, the, Paul told us, he said, he, said, and he said, don't worry about anything. Didn't he say that? King James says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Y'all hear that? Your request, your wants, known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. So keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, see, see that, that, that established prayer life allows you to transfer the load of life over on the Lord. And you can walk about in peace. Amen. Hallelujah. The peace of God will keep you. Amen. How many know we need that today more than ever? Because there's a lot of peace stealers out there. Amen. Sometimes I think it's good. I'm not saying, I'm not telling you what to do. But sometimes I think it's good for me that I don't even know what the news is saying. Because it's usually bad. And there's not anything I can do to change it except pray. And it just robs you of your peace. I don't, know what's, I don't know what's ahead. I know this, I, and I, I, I am close. I know this. I, know there, I, know, I don't know what all is ahead and the years ahead for America, but I do know this, what's ahead for the church. And that's glory. Amen. And I know that even right now, now I don't know what you all think about it, but I think revival is breaking out in America. I think these things on these campuses, they may be, maybe they're not spirit-filled, all of them, but they're having an encounter with God. I just talked to a minister just a few weeks ago, a dear friend of mine. 
that went to the, uh, what was it, As, As, Asbury Revival. And, you know, he's a, he's a man, well, it's Brother Jody, Jody Cagle. You all know Jody. And Brother Jody told me we had, we had he was passing through, I don't know, when was that, Greg? You, you had, we had a week ago or two weeks ago, he was passing through to preach someplace and called Greg and I and said, you want to have dinner? And so we did. And so uh, we, he talked to us about it. You know, it, it, you know, sometimes in our charismatic services and our word of faith churches and so forth, we have revival. I mean, there's divine healings and miracles and signs and wonders, and that's, that's, that's part of it. But this, some of this is just the presence of God falling on people and them repenting and getting right. I mean, that's part of it too. And I thought, it's like I said to Brother Jordan, I said, if there's any place it needs to happen, it needs to happen on campuses. Right where they're taught the damnable things they're taught. Revival's breaking out and God's getting hold of these people and changing these young people's lives and, 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 and turning them from that stuff. Thank God for it. You know, some of us might go to it and say, well, it ain't like what we expect. Don't, don't, don't put God in a box. Just let Him move. Just let Him move. Let Him do what He wants to do. When we all get to heaven... It'll all get straightened out. I'm sure there's not a Baptist section in heaven. General Baptists go over here. Southern Baptists go over here. American Baptists go over here. Uh, you know, uh, Pentecost go over here. Catholics go over here. I mean, that's not going to be there. It's like a, a guy used to preach for us years ago. He said, I don't care what kind of tag you got on you. He said, if you go up, it'll blow off. If you go down, it'll burn off. So you're going to get rid of that tag one way or the other. Amen. There's a story about a guy who was a Baptist. Died and went to hell. And he said, when he was down there, he said, I won't be here long because they've made a mistake. Because once you're saved, you're always saved. They'll recognize they've made a mistake and they'll get me out of here. The Catholic went down there and he said, well, I probably deserve to be here. Thank God my relatives are going to pray me out. He went down there, you know, Catholic. Then there was a charismatic went down into hell. He said, well, since we're here, let's take up an offering and buy air conditioning. How many know that we want to live our lives in these last days where we're ready? Let's all stand up. Praise God for the Word. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.